Welcome to the Treasury Insights podcast series. Today, we will examine a topic top of mind for many treasurers, how virtual accounts can help companies gain visibility and control through centralization. We will discuss in-house banking, payment factories on behalf of structures, and making the most of these tools with virtual accounts. I'm Kimberly Sweet, Treasury Product Executive at Bank of America, and with me today is Bruce Muley, Senior Treasury Advisor, and Tom Murphy, Senior Treasury Sales Officer. Tom, Bruce, thank you so much for joining me today. Tom, I'm going to start with you. When you think about your conversations with multiple different companies, why are so many exploring in-house banking structures right now? What are the benefits that they look to gain with these centralization tools? Thanks, the creation of an in-house bank allows any given treasury group to consider some of the banking industry's most leading technology and work towards the goal of operating with an account structure that is lean as possible. Other benefits can include reducing hard dollar operating costs, reduced administration when it comes to foreign bank account management, not to mention having faster access to group liquidity to aid strategic activities, M&A and decision making. During my dialogue with many clients I cover, I see more and more interest in the concept of OBO, often referred to as on behalf of, both from a payments and receivables perspective. Companies continue to explore ways to introduce the concept of OBO through the use of virtual accounts, which are a great way to facilitate that concept. Providing a platform for an in-house bank entity to hold a physical bank account and then hosting a series of virtual accounts for the entities that share an OBO agreement with the in-house bank ensures clean reconciliation and that transaction banking activities can continue in the normal course of business. Bruce, you also have extensive experience with us, not only having done so as a treasury practitioner before joining us at Bank of America, but now also having advised so many companies on this sense. What's your view of treasury centralization across EMEA and where do virtual accounts sit in the mix? Thanks. I really do think that the EMEA region has led the way globally as far as centralization is concerned. We've been having dialogues with our clients about payment factories, payment hubs, netting centers, centralization of treasury operations in-house banks over the last 10 years. Implementing some of these structures has now become more mainstream. And we've even seen some of the early adopters redoing their existing structures and looking to extend the scope of what they deliver to their businesses. This includes having conversations relating to, for instance, robo-structures. So why do I think EMEA has led the way? One of the big reasons on this was the creation of the SEPA zone. This opened up significant cost efficiency drivers, control and rationalization opportunities, which really drove the business case as far as centralization is concerned. Another key factor, the maturity of treasury functions within organizations has improved. And so now you're starting to see more treasurers start to look at, well, how can I directly manage cash and cash as a service to the rest of the business? And last but certainly not least is technology enablement. With the increased functionality around technology to manage intercompany transactions and the accounting complexity behind some of these structures, we've started to see that more and more corporates are starting to see in-house banks and centralized structures as being achievable. You mentioned where do virtual accounts sit within this mix. Firstly, I think you need to differentiate between virtual accounts which are hosted within a corporate system themselves, whether that be an ERP or a TMS system, and that offered by banks. But overall, I think the best way to view virtual accounts as being a key enabler of these centralized structures. They also add a significant level of versatility in the way in which you can set these structures up. 
we're starting to have many different conversations with clients around different use cases. And we're continually exploring these use cases with clients as we move along. One of the key use cases in EMEA has been around the implementation of in-house banks and payment factories. One of the big factors that virtual accounts bring to this is that it provides that transactional level of data where once you had, say, a DDA account providing that information, if that DDA account or physical account is no longer there or is rationalized, the virtual account provides that same level of data. The other key factor around this is it then allows you to rationalize or reduce the number of physical bank accounts that you have to hold to put these structures in place. One of the key benefits of this is reducing direct costs to the business and bank fees, but also indirect costs as far as processes are concerned. And let's not forget the administrative overhead associated with DDA accounts is reduced within the virtual account setup. So this provides both opportunity to drive cost effectiveness, but also to increase operational capability. And Bruce, setting up these structures, it's not always easy for companies, right? It requires buy-in from multiple different stakeholders internally. What guidance would you offer to clients that are working to build that business case? How do they think through that? Good question. The first thing I always advise is to ensure that you define the purpose and scope of the centralized structure, say an in-house bank, very carefully. The scope will determine the level of design and implementation complexity. It will also determine the form and content of the business case. And let's not forget, implementing a fully scoped in-house bank is transformational and can be very complex, including processes around liquidity and funding, hosting an OBO payment structure, the FX associated with that and all the risk management that is wrapped around that. This then requires engagement across the business to some of the key stakeholders. And this includes tax, legal, corporate finance and accounting, any shared service centers you have supporting the business, and of course, IT. One of the other things I move on to as far as the business case is concerned is to make sure that the business case objectives are aligned with Treasury's objectives and that then also feeds into the objectives of the business. Some of the key considerations around that to ensure that everything is aligned is to take a structured data-driven approach. And this includes both quantifiable and non-quantifiable benefit drivers within the calculation. The respective weights of these factors will be determined by the objectives and or the issues being resolved. The other thing I always talk to is around making sure that your baseline of the current state is rigorous and well backed up. The opportunity for the business case is defined by the magnitude of improvements, which you then build upon as you move towards your new target operating model. Another factor that needs to be included is a time horizon. Mostly, I will recommend that there is a short-term focus, say an operational focus of one to two years, but then not to exclude a more strategic three to five or even up to 10-year focus as far as time is concerned. Great points, Bruce. Taking that one step further, can you tell us some interesting key lessons that you learned from a recent company you advised? One of the key things, and it was a bit of an aha moment, was the phrase, know your flows. And this has come back to me with a few clients, actually. And if you refer back to using a data-driven structured approach to designing your in-house bank, this is what I mean by that. So understanding your payment flows, your balances by geography, by entity, by currency, by payment type, 
And this will ensure that you have the right information to be able to build what your future state looks like and it is built fit for purpose. Another key takeaway I get from client conversations is do not underestimate the effort and complexity of implementing an in-house bank. It is truly a cross-treasury transformational project. It will change the way that you work within treasury and how you work with your businesses. The most successful clients recognize this and take the opportunity to shift the whole treasury forward, not just to look at short-term gains. And Tom, getting back to you, can you tell us about a recent example that you encountered as well? I cover the European Treasury portfolio of Ball Corporation, who use Bank of America widely across the region. They have been on a multi-year journey implementing the concept of POBO and ROBO in line with virtual accounts with Bank of America. To Bruce's point, Ball had to consider many factors when thinking about the evolution of their POBO, ROBO and their VAM structure. Fundamentally, they looked at what opportunities there were to consolidate payment and receipt activity to the UK, which is where they consolidate their virtual account platform. But of course, they had to take into account the need for local payment instruments that pertain to certain European markets and how viable that would be to centralise from the UK. But again, to Bruce's point, end-to-end collaboration across Treasury, finance and other stakeholder groups was key to their success. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your insights. On that note, we'll end it here. Thank you for listening to the Treasury Insights podcast series. I'm Kimberly Sweet, Treasury Product Executive, along with Bruce Muley, Senior Treasury Advisor, and Tom Murphy, Senior Treasury Sales Officer. Bank of America and B of A Securities are the marketing names used by the Global Banking and Global Markets Divisions of Bank of America Corporation. Lending, other commercial banking activities, and trading in certain financial instruments are performed globally by banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, including Bank of America, N.A., member FDIC. Trading in securities and financial instruments and strategic advisory and other investment banking activities are performed globally by investment banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation investment banking affiliates, including in the United States, B of A Securities, Inc., and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp., both of which are registered broker-dealers and members of SIPC and in other jurisdictions by locally registered entities. B of A Securities, Inc., and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp. are registered as futures commission merchants with the CFTC and are members of the NFA. Investment products offered by investment banking affiliates are not FDIC insured, are not bank guaranteed, and may lose value. Copyright 2022 Bank of America Corporation. All rights reserved. All trademarks, service marks, and trade names referenced in this material are the property of and licensed by their respective owners.